theyeshiva.net. So we're starting something new. And this is exciting. And hopefully we'll have some longevity and we'll develop some traction. We've been learning Lukutatayra and Tayra Eir for about five years or more. And they've been sponsored entirely by the Hanan Fund. And um, if you've enjoyed the classes, you really owe them a debt, honestly, as I do. But we have this other idea. And uh, we have some sponsors whose names you can see on the class. And we're looking for additional sponsors. If you're desperate to sponsor a class, or you'd like to sponsor a class, or you're interested in sponsoring a class, let us know. We'll be happy to make you a partner in this endeavor. And the plan is to learn the Maimodim of this Rebbe, of our Rebbe, and specifically the edited Maimodim, the Muga Maimodim. Which means that for the most part, we're dealing with uh, much more scholarly material. The Teireh Eid and the Lukuta Teireh depends on the Maimir. Some Maimodim are easier, some Maimodim are more difficult. And you've been journeying with us. You've been very uh, keen to notice that some Maimodim are speak more to the heart while others speak more to the mind. These Maimodim of the Rebbe are more scholarly and more involved. I would like to just give you some parameters for how this is going to be. When we undertook to do the Torah and look at the Torah, one of the resolutions we made was to read and translate every single word. And it has its strengths and it has its weaknesses. The vision for these Maimodim of the Rebbe is not to do that. The vision of these Maimodim ideally is that the student should prepare. Now, I'm not in a position to force you to learn a maimim before you sit down to listen to the class, but you certainly would benefit enormously if you were prepared, and you would even benefit if after the class you would go to the text and learn it. It would help you, because the intent is to learn the maimim almost like overviews, meaning to say a given maimim will be on average, two classes per Maimed. On occasion, we'll have three. On occasion, we'll have one. Meaning to say, we'll have enough lecture time for the basic ideas, for the important ideas of the Maimed to be explored in a way that you come away feeling like you have something comprehensive and complete. And the plan is that the classes will give you enough background that when you learn the Maimed, the Maimed will be more meaningful to you than it would have been without the help of the class. So that's the plan. This is all uh, a work in progress. We're working on this. We're working on coming up with the format. We're working on coming up with the sponsors. We're working on fine-tuning how we're going to select my modem. There's a possibility that maybe we'll even allow the people to choose which my modem we should choose, we should study and explore and so forth. So we're still fluid in all of these things, but we're not waiting anymore. This project has been in the pipeline for quite a while, and it was decided that now's the time to start. There are a number of reasons why it was considered fortuitous that we should begin now, so at Hashem's help, we're going to start. So, um, I've given you a little bit of background to the vision and the plan. I hope you enjoy the classes, hope you join the classes. And we would be very appreciative if you would also help support the classes so that we can do this as frequently as possible, perhaps even once a week, like the Maimodim and the Kutatayra and Tayra Eir. The Maimodim we've chosen is Maimodim. Maimodim Tafshin Yud Zayin. There are a couple of very interesting things about this Maimodim. The most obvious thing about this Maimodim is that it's 1956. In the 1950s and the 1960s, and even the 1970s, the Rebbe almost never edited his Maimodim. Almost never edited his Maimodim. And he said very plainly that he doesn't have the time. He told somebody that to edit a Maimodim takes him hours of preparation, hours of focus, and something to that effect. The Rebbe trusted the Hanachas, relied on the transcripts, he uh, said way back that the time would come for him to edit his Maimodim with greater consistency. That time came around 1986. When the Rebbe began to edit his Maimodim with complete regularity, and we have over a hundred 
edited Maimorim of the Rebbe's well over 1500 Maimorim that he said over the course of the years of his Nesiyas. The the story was this. When the Rebbe became a Rebbe, he edited the first Basi Lagani and then the Maim Rabbim, which was a supplement to it, and the second Basi Lagani and the third Basi Lagani. And that was it. There were no other edited Maimorim. In 1956, this was, I suppose, November, there was the Sinai campaign, which was really Israel's first real war since they... Um, announced that they were declaring statehood in 1947 and they had the war which was fought then. The Rebbe responded to that war with this Maimer. And if you'll take a volume of Igris Kedish, take the letters of the Rebbe from that winter, Tavshin Yud Zayin, which is the end of 1956 and the beginning of 1957, you'll read some of the background. The Rebbe actually wrote to people that the Rebbe said, I said a Maimer, and I'm sending it to you, and in the Maimah you're going to find answers to your questions regarding the situation you find yourself in. And this is the Maimah, Maim Rabbe. So the Rebbe, who by his own uh, words didn't have the time to edit Maimah, because of the circumstance, edited this Maimah and immediately dispatched it to edit Yisrael. The next Maimah the Rebbe would edit was Ayud Shrat, Basil Lagan, Tavshin Test, 1959. And if I'm not wrong, the Maimed after that was 1968. In other words, for the first 20 years of the Rebbe's Nasius, you could literally count on your fingers how many Maimedim the Rebbe edited. And Maimed Rabbim was a very distinct Maimed. It stood out. It was unusual. It wasn't a Basi Lagani. And it had to do with a very serious event that had taken place in Eretz Yisrael at that time. That campaign in Sinai in 1956, Tavshin. Yudzayin. In other words, the Hebrew year had already shifted. It was, it was the end of the English calendar year. But there's something else interesting about this Maimir. Because it's actually word for word a Maimir of the Rebbe Rashab. Beginning from Sif Gimel, from section Gimel, until Sif Yud, which is the vast majority of the Maimir, the Rebbe literally cut and pasted a Maimir of the Rebbe Rashab. He made small variations, small changes, which you really have to pay attention to, to notice and then, of course, once you notice them, you want to understand why those changes were made. But for the most part, it's a verbatim copying of a maimer of the Rebbe Rashab, which the Rebbe added a prefix and a suffix to. So, as we approach the maimer, appreciate the context. The context is that there's a war taking place in Yisrael, and everybody's concerned, obviously. And the Rebbe says, I'm sending you a maimer as my message for this occasion. And when you learn the Maimir from beginning to end, and it's quite long, so it takes a while to go through it from beginning to end, what shouts at you, what you immediately see, is that the Rebbe's message in this Maimir is more of a message to God Almighty, to, to the Creator, than it is to us. The message of this Maimir is that Hashem's relationship with the Jewish people is extraordinary, is special. And special in a way that goes beyond even the choices we make. In other words, first of all, there is something very special about the Jewish people because of the way they live their lives, and their faith, and their behavior. But above and beyond all of that, there is this concept that He simply favors us, and that His favoring us is a completely non-reciprocal favoritism. He loves us because He has chosen us, and this choice that He's made in us has really very little to do with what we're doing. So you have this very, very long Maimed. Most of the Maimed actually is arguing what the Jewish people do to earn God Almighty's favoritism. But when you add to the Maimed the beginning and the end, especially, the Rebbe spins it. In other words, after the Rebbe tells you in so much detail what the Jewish people do to earn the fact that Hashem loves them, the Maimah finally says, but the real issue is not our favoritism, the real issue is the fact that God simply has chosen us. And I, I might as well show it to you. It's, it's right near the end of Sif Yud. It's three or four lines before the end of the Sif Yud, or five lines, where it says, which means all of this. This means everything we said until this point about how special the Jewish people are because of what they do to earn 
their relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, the merits that the Jewish people have because of the way they live their lives, that makes them special to God, that makes God special to us, but the real root of it, the real core of it, the real essence of it, is Hashem has chosen us, we should be His people, and the Rebbe says, it's known, this is God's choice, in the essence of the Jewish souls. And of course, the, in Hasidus, so much discussion is had about the concept of free will, and uh, in short, free will is, of course, very dynamic and combustible. But in the end, what free will is defined as is when somebody chooses something, if it's a free choice, it's only about the chooser, not about the chosen. In other words, if you choose a good apple over a bad apple, you didn't really choose. The apples chose. Even if you choose an apple over an orange because you prefer one to the next, the apple or the orange chose and not you. Free will means you're making a choice and it's not about the thing you're choosing, it's just about you. In which case, the item of your choice is not affecting your choice. It's a free choice, free meaning. It's entirely from you and not from the chosen item. So when the Rebbe says, the choice God Almighty makes in the Jewish people isn't based on who they are and where they come from and what they do, but that He chose them. And you may be familiar with the fact that in Tanya, the Alt Rebbe actually adds that the real concept of choice in the Jewish people is on their body. Because when it comes to the soul, they're distinct from the souls of non-Jews, and obviously it takes away the freedom of the choice. So the Rebbe says, The choice that God Almighty makes on a level of etzem in the Jewish people is is not because of the Yiddishkeit that we perform. As the Pasuk says, The Ebishter loves us for no particular reason. So the Rebbe says, after giving you an entire maimon, a very, very involved maimon, that proceeds to give you, um, as it'll turn out, shtayim shehenadu, you'll see this in Mitzvah in the next class, it's two points that become four points about what is unique about the Jewish people's relationship with God and God's relationship with the Jewish people. The Rebbe says, you should know that the real issue is none of that. It's not our unique faith, it's not our unique lifestyle, it's not uh, the way we bring God Almighty into the world and we, so to speak, affect the expression of God Almighty into the world. It's He loves us unconditionally. So you have this long maimir that's explaining our earned status as Jews and at the very, very end the maimir says, but you should really know all of this earning is predicated on something which is unearned. It's God Almighty's choice. And Vial Cain concludes that but this is the reason that yes, we have the ability to draw down through our mitzvahs that Hashem should reciprocate and do mitzvahs reciprocally. And the second point which the Rebbe made that even non-mitzvahs, parochial and everyday activities that we do, but that we do them as Jewish people who are thinking of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, it's also for the sake of heaven. Gam she'ene mitzvah, even if it's not a mitzvah, says the Alter Rebbe, Mam Shichem, we draw down Ayadeizeh through this Gilealakus, the presence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu into the world. And the real issue is not our merit; it's the fact that He's chosen us. Kiheim goy achod ba'aretz, we're the nation of oneness on this earth. And as the Maimed explained, the meaning of goy echad ba'aretz. And like I said to you before, we're going to get to this Mitzvah Hashem in the next class. But but. The, Again, the point is that the Rebbe says, notwithstanding how worthy the Jewish people may be of the favoritism, God Almighty shows them the real issue. And of course, when you think about the context, that the Jewish people are at war, and the Rebbe is trying to argue on behalf of heaven and earth that the Jewish people should be victorious. And there's incredible uh, expressions at the end of the Maimed about the the nature of the victory of the Jewish people, which I'm going to get to Mitzvah Hashem soon. Um, he says, in the end, it's an unconditional love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for the Jewish people. So this is the essence of the Maimir. In other words, this is just a couple of minutes. I gave you the very gist of the entire Maimir. Now let's uh, examine the form and structure of the Maimir. What's going to happen is this. Tonight we're going to learn the beginning and the end. And in Mitzvah Shem, next week we'll learn the body, which means from a practical perspective, tonight we're going to learn less kamus, and next week we're going to have to figure out how to learn a larger quantity of the maimed. So we begin. 
Mayim Rabim. This is a pasuk, uh, which is Teda Eid in Pashas told us you have such a Mayim Mayim Rabim. And by the way, as the Mayim develops, and the Rebbe is going to ask a question, you'll recognize that there's two Mayim Rabim. There's a Mayim Rabim in Pashas Nayach, and there's a Mayim Rabim in Pashas Told us. And the same question that the Rebbe asks here about the contradiction between the Medrash and the Maimir of Maimir Abim in Pashas Taldais, you could just as well ask about the contradiction between the Maimir Abim in Torah itself, between Pashas Taldais and Pashas Neach. So let's begin to read. The Apostolic says, Maimir Abim la Yuchul says, Ava, uh, abundant waters, much waters, cannot extinguish the, uh, the love, nor can rivers flood it out. If one gives everything he has as an expression of his love, so it's re- it's repaid, it's reciprocated by that he's given uh, compensation in a very generous way, in an unmeasured way. This is the first pasuk, and you'll notice that it's actually three psukim in Shirashidim capital Ches that are being referred to. This is the first of them. On this pasuk, it says in the Mefarshim. That how do you translate Mayim Rabim? How do you translate Nahores? And how do you translate Es Ha'avo as follows? Almighty says on behalf of the Jewish people, Im If all the nations of the world were together, Hamein Amim Rabim a multitude of peoples, which is represented by the words Mayim Rabim Kishein Mayim Rabim like a force of much water, so Mayim Rabim comes to represent the entire world and all the various peoples and their various critique of the Jewish people. They'll never be able to extinguish the love my love for the Jewish people. Mayim Rabim, all the complaints that all the nations of the world have about the lack of deserving of the Jewish people will not make me stop love them. That's the translate the puzzle. And when the leadership of the various nations gather, which he interprets to mean Nahares, which is Meha Nahar, the waters of a river that are intense, and also many. So Mayim and Abba means the people. Nahares means their leaders. And they will also protest. Why is God Almighty favoring the Jewish people? What right? What deserving? do they have, that sets them apart from everybody else, says that they'll never succeed in wiping you away from the earth. So the Medrash is saying that even when there is complaints against the Jewish people, and they may be legitimate complaints, they may be true, the Pasuk says, it's not going to change my love for you. And then it says, when one gives away everything he owns, to acquire the Teda under difficult conditions, Shalom, like you fly in Bela Mabo. I'm going to pay him doubly in the world to come. In all of the spoils and the what's left behind by the camp of Goig, Loye is going to be his. Goig, of course, is one of the two nations that are involved in the war that's called Mohammed's Gegu Mogig, uh, which is meant to happen before Mashiach comes. That Ammam discusses exactly when it's going to happen and what it's going to be, and so on and so forth. Uh, which is a which is setting up the coming of Mashiach said Kenu. So the, the Medrash says Jewish people are going to reap the spoils of that struggle. And then it says the next pasuk. Again, we have a small sister, and she may be very vulnerable. So this is what the pasuk says. So the Medrash interprets Ba'asi at that time. The angels of heaven will judge the Jewish people as follows. There is a small nation, a single nation called Yisrael, the Jewish people. Yesh pa'aris exist upon the land. Uktanahi, and they're very small, bezachis in their merits. And the argument therefore becomes, why favor them? What can be done to protect our sister? on that day, When the nations of the world will discuss her, God forbid, gang up against her in war. So we're vulnerable and we're small and we have few schus. So Machal, who was the advocate, the Malach, the angel, the Jewish people speaks. In defense of the Jewish people, and he gives you two possibilities. And again, this is a series of Sukkim and Shirashirim which are being paraphrased into this Medish. And I'll be honest, I did look up the Medish Rab and Shirashirim. And 
this apparently is not directly from the Medrash Rabbah. The Medrash Rabbah is very long. Much of what's written here is scattered over the Medrash Rabbah on these few psukim. It's probably directly from the Targum. But uh, the, 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 these various commentaries explain the, these psukim as a sequence. And this is how they translate this. Im if the Jewish people are like a wall, translates the Medrash. If the Medrash Umazu of this nation stands strong. Kechayim as a wall bane who am amongst the nations. Not to assimilate. In other words, if we have merits, they'll be firm in their faith and their loyalty. And in their respect, to acquire on this earth a oneness with the name of God Almighty. So then their righteousness, their deservedness, their being steadfast will be a fortress, will be a mifzar, a uh, a guard that none of the nations of the world can hurt them. But that's only one possibility. What about the second possibility? This is also words from the very same Pasuk. If God forbid the Jewish people are not strong, they're weak. Even if they're weak. And there's a deficiency in mitzvahs. And therefore, the nations of the world say, who are these people? Why are they deserving of grace and favoritism? From HaKadosh Baruch Hu, says, the Medrash, We will beseech God Almighty for His mercies. The Yisker Law, and He will remember on behalf of her, her and me, the Jewish people, Zechus HaTera, the merit of the Tera, Shal Tineikah, Shal Beis of the little children, Haksuva Aluach Libes, which is written on the tablets of their hearts. So the, the first Pasuk says that God loves us no matter what. And the second Pasuk qualifies it and says, what is the meaning of God loving us no matter what? If we deserve it, so then He protects us because of our schus. And if He doesn't deserve it, He finds a schus by which to protect us. The Medesh concludes, The nations of the world say, We are so bad and the Jewish people are so righteous. The Jewish people are also weak and vulnerable. And God Almighty responds, but those very words, just like a little girl, while she's young, and she violates, she sins, she transgresses the will of her parents. Her parents don't get upset at her. Why? Because she's, she's young. The same is true of the Jewish people, that the Abish's love for them is like love for a child, which means to say they can do no wrong. So the second Pasuk of the Medrash is saying that the Jewish people's being loved by HaKadosh Baruch Hu is even when they don't deserve it at all. And then he concludes, If necessary, you will be my people even against your wishes. God will never allow the proposition, the suggestion, that the Jewish people have sometimes we should be like other nations of the world. And the Ebishet says, I'm never going to let that gonna happen. What's going to happen? With a strong hand, I'm going to rule over you. This third Pasuk is describing when the Jewish people want to assimilate. And Hashem said, I'm not going to let you. And the Medrash concludes, This teaches us, So what did this Medrash say? What, is the, what are these Pesukim? What did this Medrash say? It says that there are forces that are trying to destroy the Jewish people with reason. And the reason is, who are the Jewish people? And the Abishtad answers, you will never be able to destroy the Jewish people, either with reason or without reason. Either the Jewish people are deserving, or the Jewish people are not deserving, but you're never going to be able to destroy them. So this version of Mayim Rabim is describing weakness on behalf of the Jewish people. So now we read Perik Beis. Says the Rebbe, I have a question. Now remember, this part of the Mayimir is the Rebbe's own. This is not the Rebbe Rashab's Maimir. The Rebbe Rashab's Maimir doesn't begin till Peter Gimel. These are the Rebbe's own words. Eich yatim How can we reconcile the aforementioned interpretation that seems to suggest that there are forces that are trying to destroy... Mayim Rabim goes on negative forces that are trying to destroy Hashem's love for the Jewish people. And God Almighty won't let it happen. 
in Pirash Rabbeinu B'Pasha Zu. What the Dalt Rebbe says in Teir O'er in Pasha's told us, Allah Pasuk Mayim Rabbim, and the same Pasuk, Miyusod Lepi Mashikosu Bezer. And again, as I said earlier, there is a Mayim Rabbim in Pasha's Neach, which is not the same as, but it rings similar to the first Mayim Rabbim. But the second Mayim Rabbim is quite different. Because the second Mayim Rabbim actually speaks very, very favorably of the Jewish people. It's a, a completely different concept of Mayim Rabbim. So let's do it. Okay? Mayim Rabbim is bonus. Mayim Rabbim means abundant water, means a lot of information, a lot of ideas, a lot of intellect. Mayim Rabbim, you could be the smartest person in the world, full of waters of wisdom. And what are you using your mind for to understand God? So Mayim Rabbim, abundant waters, much intellect. About Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the Hisbonanus Shem Hisbeinim Begdulos Hashem, one's contemplating the greatness of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. For example, Shumamalek Kalamin, Vesev of Kalamin, Vukulak Mekalachashiv, the various levels of relationship between Galamari and the world, where we see him so clearly, where we feel his power, and when we appreciate how we're nothing next to him, Shahid, that these three ideas are really the Hisbonanus of Shmai Yisrael Baruch Shem. So Mayim Rabbim means an, a great volume and depth of understanding the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu through intellect and meditation. So Mayim Rabbim Yuchol Ahava means no matter how much knowledge a person has, no matter how much understanding he has in the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they will never quiet as Ahava, one's love. Let's keep reading. What happens when a person meditates? Says the Rebbe Shemizeh, through the person's meditation, A person loves HaKadosh Baruch Hu on all three levels, loving Hashem with all your heart, and then loving Hashem with all your soul, and then of course, Until you love Hashem infinitely. Now is not the time to give you a long lecture on but classically, would be Naran, would be Chaya, and would be Yechida. Says the Rebbe, as smart as you are and as much as you learn, when a Jew expresses his desire for Hakadosh Baruch Hu on an emotional level, which comes from his neshama, and specifically from the level of yichida, and this love is a want. The word ava means ava to desire. He, loving God means wanting God. Says the Alter Rebbe, all the knowledge in the world, all the scholarship about God in the world is not going to sate, it's not going to satisfy the will of the Neshama to have HaKadosh Baruch. The Ahava is always going to be stronger than the Chachma. The abundant waters will never satisfy this love. The mind will never quench the heart's thirst. Why not? Because the mind's connection is limited and, dis- and dispersonal, and the heart's connection is actually coming from the soul, from the very essence, which is an infinite want. Not only will understanding God in this world most comprehensively, of understanding the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world, will never quiet the love that a Jew has for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but even in Ahares, the rivers which he interprets to go on Gan Eden, won't either extinguish it. In Ahares, rivers is an allusion to revelations in Gan Eden, which of as the Apostolic says, there's a reference between joining the Gan, the Eden, which is the essence of divine delight, and Gan Eden, the garden of the light, and that's a river, Nahar, Nahar. So Nahar becomes a symbol, becomes the representative of bringing life from the essence of godliness to the Ganeid. Says the Rebbe says, Nahares, not even the rivers that irrigate Ganeidin will not quiet the love of a Jewish person. Dagam all of us understand that the revelations of Ganeidin, who is an incredibly great revelation. And of course, there's no limit to the numbers of levels of Ganeidin. And the Rebbe says, we know that there's two basic levels in Ganeid and a lower Ganeid. And a higher Ganeid says the Rebbe, but that's basically. Precisely, Hariyamarazal says in the Gemara, there's never any rest. You're always climbing because you're going from strength to strength. So there's an infinite number of levels in Ganeid. 
And what separates one level of Gan Eden from another level of Gan Eden is a different kind of comprehension. Moreover, what separates one level of Gan Eden from another level of Gan Eden is that when a person, when an Ishama comprehends godliness, he delights or she delights in the comprehension that she achieved and that she reached. It says, the still, even the rivers of Gan Eden will not flood out, will not quench the thirst of the Nishama's want for HaKadosh Baruch In other words, any kind of revelation in Gan Eden, will never be able to satisfy this thirst that a Nishama has. So, the difference between the first Maim Rabbim and the second Maim Rabbim is from extreme to extreme, from pole to pole. The first Maim Rabbim sounds like an onslaught for the nations of the world against a vulnerable people. The second Maim Rabbim is, is, the, is, is the inability for all the onslaught of knowledge and wisdom to satisfy the Neshama's quest for HaKadosh Baruch. And the Rebbe's question is, how do these two interpretations of the very same Pasuk jive? They're so opposite. And the Rebbe says in the second line, Ki In order to quest, in order to quiet, in order to satisfy the Neshama's one for God, he must do physical mitzvahs. Now a physical mitzvah is, from a perspective of sophistication and meaning, much less than an idea. But in every physical mitzvah, you have a Kaddish Baruch Hu himself, like it says in Tanya, Leis machshava tfise beiklal, kim kasha tfiso maslabeshes, potato b'mitzvah. Every mitzvah is an encapsulation of the Ebishter himself. Every idea of Torah is an encapsulation of a Kaddish Baruch Hu himself. So when you learn Torah and you do mitzvahs as they are, one with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that can quench the Ahava. But theoretical ideas, spirituality can't. Shalzeh, that this concept, that although a person wants God so much, and nothing spiritual can satisfy that want, but doing a physical mitzvah can, that's what the Apostle continues to say, if a man will give all of his wealth in love, ish, Ish goes on Hashem. He will give us all of his wealth. And what is all of his wealth? Not ideas, not feelings, not enlightenment, but who had Teiru Mitzvahs, the physical performance of Teiru Mitzvahs. We'll grab them. Loshen Biza Veshalol will grab them as if they're spoils. Like the like the, uh, squat, like the uh, exploiting of precious treasures, when you see treasure and it's available, you grab what you can. And you grab in a reckless way and in a, with, some, with some abandon. You want to get everything you can. Teir and mitzvahs is the divine treasure. And when a Jew has this love for HaKadosh Baruch which is unsatisfied, which cannot be quieted with the deepest levels of understanding, he grabs mitzvahs and this quiets his quest. Now, the understanding of God Almighty is comparable to Mayim Rabim and Nahar, abundant waters in a river. So what would be the parallel in this metaphor for Teir and Mitzvah? So the Rebbe says a few lines later, The source of water is a fountain, is a well, Chochmeh itself. And Mayon would be Teir and Mitzvah. The Mayim Rabim and the Nahares cannot satisfy. In other words, the ideas, the spirituality of Judaism cannot quench a person's want for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but the source, the Mayan, which is Teir and Mitzvah, can. And he brings the Apostle Vateira the Aino, that Rivka filled up her jug with water, and it's interpreted that Kada is Chov Dal Tzvarim that Isa goes on Teir, and of course Mitzvah, which is going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. And in the Mayan, the Neshama's desire is satisfied. And I'm skipping one line. Says Rebbe Ach, you should know that Agam Although right now you do a mitzvah, you don't experience Einzah. Although when you learn Torah, you don't see how you're holding Hakadosh Baruch Nevertheless, Nimshechu Mamish, it's nevertheless drawn. Bechin do this level of now Al Yedei Torah Mitzvah Smaisias to the Torah that we learn and the mitzvahs that we do behaviorally. Although you and I don't feel how in a mitzvah you have Hashem Himself, it's still there. And therefore, Bazer Davka through the ritual performance of mitzvahs and the study of Torah, Yerav Esatimoyin, one's thirst is satisfied. So, Rebbe, now think about it. 
this second interpretation of Maim Rabbim, which is in Teirah, Lefipidish, that this interpretation of Maim Rabbim, Hakas of Mevayir Madregasam Shal Yisro, the Pasuk is describing a lofty level of Jewish people, Shein Bimadreg, El Yene B'Yeis, at a very high level. How high a level are they on? Vavos, Amalekus, take if they love God, they desire God incredibly intensely. And how intense is this love called? Kaka such a degree, Achagam, Giluyim, Ayesanam, any kind of enlightenment, intellectual enlightenment, spiritual enlightenment, physical enlightenment, and even metaphysical enlightenment. Lo, Yuchur, Allah, cannot satisfy their thirst. So, Mayim, Rabim, and Nohores is talking about very, very sublime. And the idea of is that through Teireh Mitzvah this want is satisfied says the Rebbe but think about the interpretation we gave in the first chapter first paragraph with the Medrash that supported it which we brought in the beginning of the mind but the Pasuk is discussing when the Jewish people on the lowest levels we have a weak and vulnerable sister and so forth so the question is if you have a series of words in a Pasuk, in Tanakh, you have to presume that the Psukim have a core, have an essence, which is the basis for all the different lives that radiate from it. The Rebbe has a famous Sikha where he says that when you have different interpretations on one word or on one Pasuk, there is a link between the various interpretations like we learn from Shatnes, the Rebbe always says. Here you have the same Pasuk with interpretations that are so incompatible, they're so distinctive that the Rebbe says there's no way to reconcile them, to make them one. And the Rebbe says in the last line of chapter Bey, Zubemis, to be sure, these two interpretations, not only are they not contradictory, they support and clarify one another. And the Rebbe's question is how? How can the same, I mean the idea that sometimes Jews are good, sometimes Jews are bad is obvious. The idea that sometimes God's issue is that there's nothing that He can give us considering our want for Him. And on the other hand, that there are times when we barely deserve our identity and we need to have a, a way to justify our favoritism vis-a-vis God. Those conditions exist. But the fact that both of those ideas are represented by the same words of a pasuk becomes problematic. That's the Rebbe's question. And what's the answer? So of course the answer is at the very, very end of the Maimit which is Sif Yud Aleph. But when you'll read Sif Yud Aleph, you're not going to really see the answer. In other words, you have to sort of read between the lines. And the answer is what I read to you at the outset. And what is B'cha B'chad Hashem? That's the answer. The question becomes, there are Jews that are so involved in HaKadosh Baruch Hu that no spirituality will satisfy them. There are Jews that are so far from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that God has to defend them using all kinds of excuses. And both of these categories of Jews and the various effects that take place in relationship with them are represented by the same forth. How can the same Pesukim mean such opposite things? So the Rebbe's answer is because there's a third concept. And the third concept makes these two the same. What is the third concept? B'chol B'chol Hashem. B'chol B'chol Hashem means the Abish's relationship to the Jewish people is not because we're the Shoyim, it's not because we're Tzadikim, because He chose us. And the choice that God Almighty makes in the Jewish people is called B'chira B'etzen, the Shomit Yisrael. It's a choice in the Jewish people on the level of Etzen. And the choice that HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes in the Jewish people on the level of Etzen is the basis for two things. Number one, because He chose us, no matter how close to God we come in our understanding and in our feeling and our sensory experiences, the choice that He made in us makes us connected to Him on such a deep level that we'll never feel like we have enough of a connection to Him. And by the same token, the choice He made in us is so profound that no matter how undeserving and worthy we are, He still loves us. So you have a real question and a real answer. The real question was that there's a conflict where there's a, uh, a great distance between two readings of the same Pasuk, Mayim Rabim. And the answer is because there's a third idea of Mayim Rabim. And the third idea of Mayim Rabim is that this Pasuk is not about our deservedness. This Pasuk is not about defending us when we're undeserving. 
there's an idea of Hashem loving us completely unconditionally, which is the foundation for all the different interpretations of Mayim Rabbi. So in the best of conditions, and in the worst of conditions, the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch and the Jewish people is constant, as represented by the Pasuk Mayim Rabbim, but based on something deeper than the Mayim Rabbim. So now, let's put this into a historic context. If you can imagine the Jewish people are going to war in 1956, and HaKadosh Baruch is trying to be Malam Tzchus, he's trying to say something which will be heard not just on earth, but also in the heavens that favors the Jewish people, say, brings uh, this medrash, this pasuk, and says there's all kinds of Jews. There's the best Jews, there's not such good Jews, there are higher Jews, there's lower Jews. But there's something that unifies all of them. And what it is that unifies all of them is transcendent of the greatness of the greatest and of the deficiencies of the most deficient and reveals a bond between the Jewish people and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which nobody can break. The nations of the world can say what they wish. They can call us abusing and terrorizing the Palestinians and whatever else they wish, the this special relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people, which is based on choice, is totally unbreakable. And now let's learn Sif Yudalf inside. And you'll see what I just shared, but you have to pay attention, because if you're not careful, you'll miss it. And with this whole Maimed, which we skipped... And the Maimed is about Achtos Hashem on a variety of different levels, both in terms of God's relationship with the world as well as Jewish people's relationship with God. After all of this, and after the conclusion that we just reached, that the connection within the Jewish people and Hashem is not because of deservedness and they're earning it and so on, but because of Hashem. Now we go back to the Pasuk with which the Maimed began. The stormiest waters cannot extinguish the love. The rivers cannot flood it out. So the Rebbe brings the second interpretation, the more lofty interpretation. The great waters is his is contemplating and understanding and intellectually reaching into godliness. All of this will never quench, will never be enough to satisfy the want and the love. And to sate the thirst, the Nishamas of the Jewish souls for godliness. Moreover, on holidays, even rivers. the waters of Ganadin also are not adequate. So because Hashem loves us unconditionally, he places within us an unconditional love for him which can never be satisfied. On the other end of the spectrum, Vagam when the Jewish people on the lowest of levels, Dachis, Lanukhtana, were a small, vulnerable little sister. Shezach Yisei, Yemuatama merits are few. And as a result, in addition to Chas Vishom, the physical battle, there is also the source of that physical battle on its metaphysical level. That Ume Yisraelim Boyim, the nations of the world come along. and they argue, Ashagam Yisrael Chetim, Jewish people also sin. So why must God favor them? So there's two possible answers. The first one is Mikomakim, nevertheless, Hinigam Oz, when the Jewish people are in the lowest of conditions, we do mitzvahs after all. By doing the behavioral performance of mitzvahs. And we do them with a simple intent. What is the meaning of a simple intent? We may not understand the meaning of the mitzvah and the meditation of the mitzvah, but we do it for the sake of heaven. So then also, Hemagim, the simple performance of mitzvahs by the simplest of Jews touches the greatest generosity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is above all inspirations and revelations and so forth and so on. So whether the Jewish people are on the highest level or the Jewish people are on the lowest level, there is a constant that defines the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people which supports them and sustains them. V'lachena therefore, even the contemplating and understanding God and experiencing enlightenment from Ganet, will not be sufficient, and will not flood, a Jew's want for God, where the Jewish people come from, why can a Jew never be satisfied by understanding God? And the answer is, because he's connected to God Almighty on a level which is fundamentally beyond being understood. 
Kileis, Machshaw, Tfisa, Beklaw, we all know it says in Tanya, it's impossible to grasp HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Afil, Machshaw, Agdum, And therefore, in as much as we're trying to intellectualize about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in as much as we're attempting to experience the spirituality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we'll never be satisfied. We do physical mitzvahs like the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya. And for this, even when there's a different kind of a flood, and the flood is the nations of the world, which are the leadership of the nations of the world, the United Nations, if you will, Lo Yishtafua cannot flood out and extinguish La Avas Akadish Borakulabinesal. God Almighty is love for the Jewish people, like it says in the Medish. The Av Shahim Khaitim though they're sinners. Mikomokim Aimisram Alayam, nothing is held against them. Vatam. And I want to insert Vatam, the reason for both of the above. The reason it is that no matter how much a Jew is enlightened, he's not happy with his relationship with the Khadish Baruch. And no matter how distant the Jewish Makadish Baruch Hu, God does not listen to the critique against the Jewish people and the lack of deservedness for a miracle and so forth. The reason for both of these is the same. That Hashem has chosen us. In other words, the choice that God Almighty makes in the Jewish people. And like I told you earlier, this is called the Rak Mitada Baichir. Choice is only from the chooser, not from the chosen. Because if you choose something and the item that you're choosing asserts itself or provokes you or invokes your choice, then you're not choosing, it's choosing itself. And Hashem chose the Jewish people by Himself. And therefore, is like a little child. When she doesn't listen. Nevertheless, no one holds it against her. Because little children, the way that they touch their parents in the very deepest place. On such a level, all the other things that define a father and a mother, like their intelligence and their sophistication and so on, are inconsequential compared to the way they love their children. The same is true in the souls of the Jewish people. Therefore, even when they're guilty, they're not charged. And then you have an even lower category of Jew. There's the inspired Jew, there's the uninspired Jew, and there's the Jew who's not so careful. And then you have the Jew who says, Let's be like the Gentiles. Gentiles which is of course a huge test because being like the Goyim really means let's live in nature as opposed to living a life of miracles says God it's never going to happen I'll do whatever it takes but I'm not going to let you go I will draw you into the tradition of the covenant you'll know that you belong to me and I am your God And when you're given by Ish, from his generosity, it's called him Basi. So the Rebbe says, Hashem gives us something infinite, but he gives it to us from something called bias. Interprets the Rebbe. What is the meaning of bias? He says, are all three connected to the building of a house and the settling of a house and the filling of a house. So your malo is kolhein yoker v'noim. You're putting all kinds of precious things into this home. V'gam, in addition, there repeats again. Yitin lehem kolabiza v'asholdu mechemes goy. You'll give us all the wealth of one of the combatants of the battle of goy gumogeg, and that ever finishes the mind with a direct allusion to the war that took place at that time. Kididan notzach, our side will be victorious. Bimheda biyameinu aydei mashiach tzadkein. So we learned something comprehensive. We learned a pasuk two interpretations and a way of joining the two interpretations together by adding a third concept. So what's ironic about the Maimed? What's ironic about the Maimed is that Emit Hashem was left for next time, which is in quantity a much larger portion of the Maimed, is going to be 
our deservedness. The beginning and the end of this Maimed, which is the Rebbe's own, talks about this idea that the love that Hashem has for us is not based on what we do, it's unconditional. But the body of the Maimed, which is based on the Rebbe Rashab, is actually based on the Gemod and Brachis, which is quoted in the beginning of Sif Gimel, where it says, if you look inside, you'll see it, that the relationship we have with the Kaddish Baruch was based on our deservedness, and we'll do that next week in Mishashim. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.